0: Good morning. morning. Thank you, Stephen. As you find your seats, you can turn with me in your gospel to Mark, the Bible to the gospel of Mark. One, we're going to start there. How's everybody this morning? Good. It's good to be with you. I hope uh, you're having a great week. I hope you had a great Valentine's weekend. Uh, But for all of us, it's the incredible Valentine that God gives us of His Son. The ultimate expression of love, the ultimate expression of sacrifice, the ultimate expression of joy and of life is ours. I can't get over the fact that sinners like us can come into His presence, enjoy fellowship with Him, be called His children, have Him lavish love upon us. I don't know about you, uh, but as I watch that Stop It video, uh, I'm amazed that God isn't more like that, especially in my life. I just want to yell, Stop it! Quit it! You should know better. And over and over again, I find myself coming back to the Father and over and over again just rejoicing that He loves us and He forgives us. I hope and pray that each one of you here this morning can experience deeply the reality of a God who loves. The reality of a God who's merciful. Some of you here this morning, your head's down. Maybe not physically, but spiritually. Because it's just darkness. Just same old stuff, and, and it's my hope and prayer that God will be the lifter of your head today, that the truth of the gospel will warm your soul, that a merciful and, and loving God will just cause you to want to dance. I want to begin by telling a story, a story of a young girl about three years old, uh, recently had minor surgery uh, to kind of keep her quiet and to uh, allow the mending process uh, to take place. She was given a little tea set, a little tea set that uh, young girls could love, and, and she loved her little tea set and and uh, playing uh, uh, tea and, and tea party and pretending. Well, one night, uh, her mama uh, had to leave the house, and uh, her dad was home uh, parenting. It's important we say parenting. I remember early on when we had younger children, our beloved uh Pastor Emeritus, Chuck Green, ran into Katie uh, out and about, uh, realizing she had an evening out and that I must be home. And she said, oh, is Jeff home babysitting? And Katie, in her quick-witted fashion, says, Chuck, we call it parenting. And so, (laughs) for a while, we called him Chuck, we call it parenting. So that's so true. When dads, when we're home, we're not babysitting. If they're our own kids, we are parenting. And this dad was home with his little three-year-old ball of sunshine, the pride of his life. uh, And yet he's uh, watching the news. Typical dad. Have a chance for some one-on-one time with your daughter. Have a chance to just play tea. But he's kind of distracted. Watching news and the events of the world. Well, you know, no no mind to the little girl. She's going to use her little tea set. So she brings her daddy a cup of tea. Oh, the dad is so proud, so proud of his little princess who appears offering some tea. Would you like some tea, Daddy? Oh, I would love some, darling. Thank you very much. Of course, it wasn't tea. It was water. But he sipped it with his pinky up and daintily said, thank you, darling. It was so yummy. You make the best tea. I'll get you more, Daddy. So the process happened a few times. The little girl would disappear, scamper away. A few moments later, enter into the room. Daddy, I have more tea made for you. Daddy would be filled with joy, thinking I could have a little bit more water. Eventually, the wife comes home, says, honey, you got to see this. This is incredible. This is the cutest thing. Our little cupcake, our little darling. She is awesome. She is so special. I see this. Honey, will you bring daddy a little more tea? And there goes the pitter-patter of little feet off uh, to get yet another cup of tea. Some of you know what's coming. (laughs) And the wife sits there amused like wives can do, you know, just waiting for the full effect to take place the exchange between the little girl and her daddy about a cup of little tea he sips on the tea he says oh it's so wonderful it's so good darling isn't our little cupcake so smart and so beautiful and the wife says honey did you ever think where is the only place you can reach water it's the toilet I think I love that story because I know in my heart that would have been me, you know. I would have missed it all. I mean, I would have just missed it all. And I think the reality of that story is that many of us are drinking from wells of filthy waters. Many of us are having things in our life that we think are cute, that we think are controllable, that we think are harmless. Harmless that really won't affect us, things we think we can manage, things we think we can live with, yet things that are very toxic to our souls. Things that will really separate us from a, a close relationship with the Father. Things that will harm us. And things that will harm others. It's amazing how prone we are to wander. It is for me. It's amazing how apt I am to drink from broken cisterns. It's amazing how quickly I'm turning even to the things I know won't really bring me life. It's amazing how often I leave the arms of a loving father, the one who provides life through his son, the one who cleanses and nourishes us, the one who gives us living waters. It's amazing how often we drift to others. But maybe even more amazing is the reality is as much as we have the propensity to sin and as quickly as we are to run from the Father, He is even quicker to run to us and offer forgiveness. Truly, uh, this morning we're going to look at repentance and we're going to look at our need to have a godly grief, a godly sorrow over consuming filthy water. For giving filthy water to others. For shaming the name of Christ. And look at really what true repentance is all about. But what I hope and pray happens with each and every one of us this morning is that it's not us about us. It'll become about the Father and His willingness to forgive. It'll become about the Son and His work that allows forgiveness to be possible. That we'll be filled with the Spirit of God saying thank you. For being eager to fill sinners, to forgive sinners like us. Jesus begins his public ministry when he's here on earth. He begins his ministry as he begins preaching in Galilee, as he begins his ministry that will eventually lead to a Roman cross. He begins with these words Repent. The kingdom of God is here, the king has come. Repent and believe. Repent and believe that I am the Messiah. I love what it says. It says this, that as He starts His ministry, we're to turn from our sin. That's how He begins a relationship with us. That's how He continues a relationship with us. It's a continued call to turn. Turn away from that we are trying to find life and meaning in. Turn away from those idols, from those brokenness, from that filthy water. Turn. And maybe even more amazing about the good news of Christ is when he says turn he says turn and reform no he doesn't he doesn't say turn and preform perform he says turn and believe because all of the turning and the performing and all of the turning and reforming will only come will only come by God's grace when we believe in the gospel of a Savior named Jesus who did perform what we failed to perform. A spirit of the living God that causes us to reform and become more like Jesus, our Savior, God's only begotten Son. But Jesus' ministry begins. Repent and believe. The Bible tells us that there's two types of, of repentance. Paul, in his epistle to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians, Verse seven, uh, chapter seven, verse ten. So there's two types of repentance. There's a type of repentance. It's called worldly repentance. It's kind of feeling bad for what you've done and wanting to deal with that in a worldly way. And worldly repentance leads to death. But Paul says there's, there's a real repentance, a true repentance. It's a gift from the Father to His children. It's called a godly grief. It's called a godly sorrow. It's called the godly repentance. And as He gives us the ability to turn from our sins and turn to a loving God, this repentance leads us to life. It washes us and cleanses us. It even deals with our guilt. What an incredible godly repentance we are offered in the Gospel. So this morning we're going to begin by looking at Jesus' call to repent and believe. What does that mean for us? We're going to try to distinguish the difference between what is a worldly sorrow and a godly sorrow. What really leads to life and what merely leads us to death. And we'll see in conclusion that's the gospel. It's this good news of Jesus Christ freely offered to sinners like us who deserve God's wrath but receive God's mercy and love. And we're going to realize that it's this gospel, this This repentant believing in Jesus Christ that is the only way, the only way for us to truly repent. It's the motivation. It gives us the freedom to come to the Father once again. It's the Gospel where we learn that God really loves to forgive sinners. It's in the Gospel that we learn that the Father is willing and able and eager to forgive us. Even more Eager than we are to sin. I forget this. I need to hear this over and over again. Because I know how eager I am to stray. Don't want to be. God, help me. Restrain evil. Make me walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. But I never want to forget that He's the Father that can't wait to run and forgive. Listen, this morning, as eager as your heart is to turn from Him, He's even more eager to forgive and to turn to you. Isn't that good news? Doesn't that give us the freedom to come? Doesn't that give us the freedom? And the cross of Christ, the cross of Christ is the only way that God, who is eager to forgive, can to forgive a mess like you and me and not do irreparable harm to His justice or His holiness. You see, we're Christians, and we, we, we realize as Christians and followers of Christ, it was at the cross that really this victory took place when the Father poured out His wrath for sinners like you and me, and a holy God is angry with sin. Let's never forget that. Sin separates us from God, and every single sin of ours deserves God's wrath and separation and hell. But He's merciful to His children. And at that cross, we see justice and mercy kiss. And we see that God can be a holy and just God. Because He deals truly with sin. Because every soul that sinneth will die. And the wages of sin truly is death. And all of us have sinned. You and I, we're going to pay for those sins and die. Or Jesus Paid for them for us, and so that's why we lift high the cross. That's why we rejoice over what our Savior has done, because it's there that a holy and just God can still love us and forgive us, because He's dealt with our sin through His Son. And you got to listen to this sermon, because it may be the last time I preach on repentance. One person laughed. I thought that would ask a little more. It's hard. What usually happens to a preacher is he has to be exposed to uh, how poorly he's performing. And I, I tell you, it's really, it's really humbling. And I want you to know, like every week I'm in journey with you, that I, I want to get it. I want to so much to live my life pleasing to Jesus. I really do. I love him. But I've realized I've been so convicted how poor um, I have been oftentimes with repenting. How much my repentance is a worldly sorrow compared to a godly sorrow. So will you journey with me? Let's look at God's word. We're gonna look at three verses. Mark one fifteen, second Corinthians seven ten, first John one nine. I'm gonna read each one. We'll come back to them. I'm gonna pray and then we'll jump right in. Let's be mindful whether we're in the gospel of Mark, we're in Epistle of the, the Corinthians, or uh, the epistle of first John. It's all God's word. Mark 1:15 And saying Jesus saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand repent and believe in the gospel 2 Corinthians 7:10 For godly grief or godly sorrow Produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. Then, lastly, 1 John 1 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us pray. Father God, would You come powerfully into this room and speak through a broken vessel this morning? Father, You know the truth. You know the truth about me. You know how much I need to repent of and from. You know how much worldly sorrow I still try to show instead of true godly sorrow. God, forgive the preacher. But God... My sin should not trump Your grace and the need for Your people to hear Your Word. And so, Father, we're asking that You'll do that which only You can do, that You'll just show us Jesus. And through Your words and through Your servant, that we will know that we were with You because You gave us ears to hear and minds to understand and hearts to embrace and feet to walk in a manner worthy of our Saviour. The things that I say that are wrong or merely my opinion. May they fall away and be forgotten. The things that are true, that contain the good news of the Gospel, would you use those things to cause us, lead us to repent again and to believe afresh in the good news of the Gospel? Because it's there that we find life. It's there that we find your pleasure It's there that we find Your crucified and resurrected Son. It's there that we find Your Spirit. And we thank You for the life that we have in You. Blessed, we pray, in Christ's powerful name. Amen. On October thirty first, 1517, Martin Luther changed the world. He changed the world by going to his church And taking with him 95 theses, 95 statements that the church had to wrestle with, that we had to change. And as he pounded those into the door of Wittenberg, Germany, at at church, the Reformation began. And unbelievably, the first thesis that was written, the first thing that came that started the Reformation were these words. It says this, when our Lord and Master, Jesus Christ, said, Repent, he called for the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. Oftentimes, as Christians, we realize that God has called us to repent, to turn from our sinful ways to Jesus, to embrace the reality that we need a Savior, and that's where we begin. But as Christians, Luther was right. That's not a beginning point that we'd leave never to return again to, or infrequently to return to. Maybe like a a doorway that leads us into life and life abundantly with Christ through repenting and belief. Yes, it is that doorway, but it's a continually revolving doorway. As we live our lives as Christians, we are called to be continually repenting. I mean, that's what Luther says. I mean, he says for us to live our lives, we need to continually have a life and a posture of repentance. The first thing we see is the gospel is actually advanced in our lives through repentance. The more we know about God, the more He has revealed Himself to us through His creation, more specifically through His Word, through the preaching of His Word, through the study of His Word and the teaching of His Word, the more that we know about God, an amazing thing takes place. The more we know about ourselves. Because we're made in God's image. He is the Creator. The more we learn about Him, the more we learn about us. The more we love Him, the more we love His image. It's true. But the more that we learn about Him, and the more that we learn about us, the more that we should be repenting. When God reveals Himself to us in greater ways, and we see His holiness, we see His character, we see His actions, we should be continually in awe that He loves sinners like us. When we see the beauty of His creation. The beauty of the image bearers He's given us as children. The beauty of His Son. The more we know about God the more that we should be before Him and saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and who is to come. And woe is me because I'm a man of unclean lips and I I live among a people of unclean lips as Isaiah would say. You see, the greater picture we have of Jesus, the more beautiful He becomes. And the more radiant And God calls us to grow in Him, to know Him more fully, not to be uh, satisfied with just a thimble full of knowledge of Him, but to drink deeply. But as we drink, we see His beauty, we realize the separation, we realize the sinfulness, and what that should do is drive us repentance, and it should make His Son all the more glorious. Because the more beautiful God becomes and the more we see the reality of His holiness and the more we see the chasm between our brokenness and His holiness, the Son who emerges is that great bridge between a holy Father and sinful children, we should love Him more and say, thank You, Jesus. And live our lives more and more in confession of oh, how we have blown it. How we are unlike the only begotten Son. The perfect, obedient One. How we truly are like the one Son who ran from the Father and continually live our lives in repentance. The more we grow in Him, the more we know of us. The more we know of us, the more our lives should be repenting, turning to the Father, asking for forgiveness. We have to realize, but by nature, by nature Scripture calls us children of wrath. By nature it's not in us to repent. We are not by nature repenting people. We don't like it. We want to be self-sufficient people. People who don't need to continually turn. How did your plants do in this last freeze? I know many of you probably pulled some stuff in, but how did they survive this last uh, cold snap? I, I did what I'm classic. I'm so good at doing. I had lunch recently with a member, uh, Eric Appen. He owns Appen Berries. It's like a, a gardening place. I had lunch close enough to my house to say, "Hey, you know what? I got a couple minutes. You want to run by my house and look at my plants?" The guy's on uh, day off. Do you think he wants to come look at my plants on my day off? But I'm going to use it I say, "You know, come on over. and Look at them. I think that uh, I think will they come back? Are they dead?" Tell me, Master Gardener, what a, someone who has anything but a green thumb can do. We looked at the roses, the knockout roses. He says, you know, these, these, uh, these need to be cut back to six inches. Oh, well, there's some roses on them. And they look, the, the two or three roses, they look, cut them back to six inches, and they'll come beautiful. You got some dead Parts of this tree you got to cut this back and you got to cut it back here and you got to you got to trim and you got to you got trim this back because what's going to happen is as you trim and as you cut back it's going to come back with life it's going to come back with beauty it's going to fill out it's going to grow and that's really what we got to do that's what john 15 tells us that that jesus is truly the vine we are the branches and of all of us he's going to prune our lives He's going to cut us so that we grow. And sometimes you're going to say, are you kidding me? You're going to cut me that low? you can get me down to just six inches? Isn't there some beauty in here that you don't have to deal with? And he's going to say, no, I'm going to call you to continually live your life repenting of your sins, continually turning and believing, continually being trimmed. And the reality is this is the kind of gardener I am. I want to plant them once, maybe throw a little fertilizer on them, make sure they get water, and I don't want to think about them again. I really don't. I mean, I I just don't want want to have the hassle. And the reality that's my Christian life oftentimes. I want to repent once. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I've blown it again. Just forgive me and let me leave it alone. And God's saying, No, you've got to continually come back and just before me because I love you and I'm not going to beat you, but I want you to continue to be before me because I'm going to trim you. Yeah, there might be some things that are blooming, but I got so much more. There's some things that are burned. There's some things that are frozen. There's things that have insects and have eaten away. Get over here. And we see the scissors in his hands and we're afraid. It might hurt. You might cut something I love. You might cut something I'm taking pride in. I think it's beautiful. You might remove my righteousness. And leave me with nothing but yours. He says, Trust me. Come. It's the safest place we can be. I'm so proud of our women's ministry. Uh, they're studying the Beatitudes right now. Um, I love uh, the study that Katie's going through and, and the other women uh, through women's ministry. And recently, uh, you, I believe you all looked at, blessed are those who mourn. Jesus would say crazy words, blessed are those who mourn, who mourn over sin who realized that it was that sin that drove Christ to a cross and we mourn over it. Mourn over our brokenness and our depravity. Mourn over it. Why? Because if we mourn over our sin, it will drive us to a Father who forgives. We'll have one eye on our sin. We'll have one eye on the cross. And we can say, Hallelujah! Because we are blessed because we mourn. Because mourning leads to repentance. Repentance leads to forgiveness. Forgiveness leads to cleansing it's a beautiful thing. Don't be afraid, church. Don't be afraid. Blessed are those who mourn. Mourn over sin because it's harmful to our relationships, our relationship with the Father and our relationship with others. It's the gospel repentance that leads to life. Again, 2 Corinthians 7:10 talks about this godly sorrow versus a worldly sorrow. Tim Keller says in an article he wrote all of life is repentance. He says, in the Gospel, the purpose of a repentance is to repeatedly... Listen to this, it's so beautiful. I think it's in your bulletin if you want to follow along there. In the Gospel, the purpose of repentance is to repeatedly tap into the joy of our union with Christ in order to weaken our need to do anything contrary to God's heart. I love that because what he is telling us is repentance is all about relationship. It's not all about moralism and behavior. We got it all wrong. Sometimes we think, oh, I don't want to repent. You know, I feel so dirty. But really the reality is it's all about relationship and sin is is our pursuit of something apart from God. We're trying to find life apart from God, meaning apart from God, joy apart from God. And when we repent, what we're acknowledging is all the life, the joy, the meaning we need, we find in Him. And it's that, re- that relationship that's being broken. And Keller so rightly says, it's our turning from those things that weaken, uh, repenting, weaken our need for those things that are contrary to God's heart. Let me give you a very simple definition between of godly sorrow. Godly sorrow or grief is repentance is only possible through loving God and loving our neighbor. It's when we realize that sin is more about relationship. More about relationship than it is morality. And it begins with the relationship with a father. It's reading Joseph in the book of Genesis where he is propositioned by Potiphar's wife. Here's a a young man away from home and seems like he's been forgotten by his family, sold into slavery, forgotten by God, being now tempted by this woman. And unbelievably, he knew relationship over morality. And he says, how could I do this and sin against God? David, a king after God's own heart who fell into sin and whose heart was so hard and broken, or should have been broken, hard and crusty because of sin. When he finally realized that he had sinned, he realized it was about relationship first. And what he did with his relationship with the Father to you and to you alone, to you and you primarily, have I sinned. It's really being sorry, godly sorrow is because we love our neighbor as ourself. We care about the way we're wounding them. We care about what our words and our actions are doing to them. We really are putting ourselves in their shoes. And we're looking at our behavior through a whole different lens of loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. And worldly sorrow, listen, worldly sorrow is really about loving ourselves. Worldly sorrow is really by saying to our spouse or to our child, just, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't really mean it. And really what we're trying to say is, I want to stop the guilt, so I'm going to say I'm sorry. Or I'm worried about my punishment, so I'm going to say I'm sorry, I didn't mean it, because I'm still concerned about myself and what might ha- happen to me. And so I say I'm sorry, so the punishment will end. I say I'm sorry, so the Greek guilt will stop. You see, I mostly do this in my marriage. And I realize that most of my repenting It's not godly sorrow. Most of it's worldly sorrow. I just I just want it to end and get on. Do I really want to enter in and see how I've hurt you? Hurt Katie or my kids? I just want it to stop so I can feel good about me. Remember Patriot Missiles? Remember Patriot missiles? They they came really popular with the uh, desert storm, the first desert storm early on. I mean, we heard about Patriot missiles. All of a sudden, everybody knew about Patriot missiles because uh, Iraq was throwing over these Scud missiles, kind of a cheap, I think a previous Soviet-type missile, and we had these Patriot missiles that were supposed to be like a, a defense mechanism. They'd be launched against a Scud missile. They'd blow it up before it ever came. They'd save lives. They'd be awesome. You see, I usually live my life in worldly sorrow as a patriot missile. I have a defense mechanism that I really don't want anything to hit my hard, crusty, broken heart. And I'm going to try to keep anything from really hitting here. And so I'm going to lob some missiles your way. And when you criticize me and when God is revealing Sid to me, I immediately want to get defensive. Launch the Patriots. And say things like this Oh, you didn't really understand what I meant. If you understood what I meant, you wouldn't have felt the way you feel. You don't understand my situation. You don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand the burden that I'm under. You don't understand me, 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 me. And so I'm going to launch these missiles at all the things that I've done to hurt you, 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 because really I'm not the problem you are. Have you been there? Man, I have. Because somehow I'm afraid to repent. Because somehow I just feel like I just... I don't want to deal with it, and I want other people to be the problem, not me. And the reality of the gospel is so beautiful as God offers us to come. I want to do some serious work. I want a missile to break that heart of stone. And just put down your Patriot missiles. They're, they're useless, they're junk. How's it with you? Do you have a Patriot missile system? Usually, the most intricate systems we build are for the closest relationships, and we we we, we can see when they're starting to move things into certain position to launch. It's amazing we have these satellites now. We're going to say, okay, you know, looks like uh, Korea is about ready to launch some more missiles. We can tell where they're going to do. It's like the closest to us. It's usually the closest to us, men and women, that God's going to use to reveal our broken, our, our 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 sinful heart. Listen. Put down your defense system. Listen. Listen. Listen to your spouse. You can listen to your kids. Listen to those around you. Listen to what God's saying to you. Put your guard down. And listen. Listen to him tell you what you need to repent of. And know that it's about relationship know that it's about relationship that he wants to call you into, a closer one. Um, I'm going to read you a, a chart. I got this from a Presbytery. Um, worldly sorrow versus Godly sorrow. Let me read you a couple things about worldly sorrow versus godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow: I'm only sor- sorry for what I do. Godly sorrow. I'm sorry for what I am. Worldly sorrow, I confess after I have sinned. Godly sorrow, I'm continually repentant because of my sin. Worldly sorrow, I focus on my behavior and desire moral reformation. Godly sorrow, I focus on my disposition and desire spiritual transformation. Worldly sorrow, I want quick resolution so I can get you off my back. Godly sorrow, I want deeper insight, so I need you to hang in there with me. Worldly sorrow, I can't believe I'm like that. Let's not talk about it anymore. Godly sorrow, I can believe I'm like that. We need to talk more. Worldly sorrow, I have an explanation. Godly sorrow, I'm sick of my explanations. Worldly sorrow, I repent by trying to do it right the next time godly sorrow i repent i don't have my own righteousness and i trust christ to be my righteousness worldly sorrow i'm sorry because i got found out godly sorrow i'm thankful that you brought this to my attention worldly sorry sorrow i'm sorry that i offended you godly sorrow I'm sorrowful that my sinful heart is so offensive. i got to tell you, there's so much worldly sorrow that God wants to drive out in my life. How is it with yours? Well, there's such good news. It's the gospel. Thirdly and lastly, the gospel, the enabling power that leads to repentance. Look at what Watchman Nee wrote. Watchman Nee wrote a little book. He's a, China, a Chinese Christian. Uh, he wrote a book, Walk, Sit, Stand. It's on Ephesians. Um, I'll be preaching through Ephesians in a couple weeks, by the way. Um, online, you can listen to Ephesians. We have the uh, CD of Ephesians in the lobby. I'd love for all of you all start listening to this great book. But Watchman Nee, in his book, Watch uh, Sit, Walk, Stand, said this about repentance that the gospel offers. He says this, listen. It's the father's joy that he could find in the prodigal, the one who went off from the father and lived a terrible life, that he could find in the prodigal an applicant for the robe, the father's robe, the shoes and the feast. It was his sorrow that in the elder son he found no such applicant. Here's what he's saying. God loves to forgive God loves to lavish love on us. God really, really loves it. He loves us repenting because he loves forgiving. He loves us coming over and over and over again. Say, I've blown it, I've blown it, I've blown it. Because he says, I love, I love, I love, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. That's the father who lavishes love on us. Who doesn't say, oh, just one more time, okay. He says, yeah, I'm going to run after you, sinner. And I'm going to love you. It's almost as if the Father can't contain forgiveness. He's just got to pour it out on broken sinners like us. And He's just so anxious to forgive. That's the Gospel. He's saying, I have a robe for you because I'm going to call you my own. I have shoes for you. I'm going to throw a feast and a party after you repent that's what I do. That's how merciful and loving I am. And it's the older son who was refusing to repent, who wanted his own righteousness to be okay, that missed the robe, that missed the party. This is what, this is, listen, this is what God's telling us. God wants us to repent so that he can forgive, so he can love, so he can cleanse and set us free. Through the gospel, we find true forgiveness of our sins. True forgiveness. Not wink over, just forget about it. True forgiveness. Because our sins, listen, every one of your sins, children of the living God, they were nailed to the cross. They were nailed there. They were paid. Children of the living God, listen to a holy God, say, not guilty. Through the gospel, we find cleansing from our sins. He truly has made us clean He's made us beautiful. We've got to keep coming to that fountain for cleansing. How is it with you? What do you need to repent of? The Westminster Confession of Faith says this about sin. What is sin? Well, sin is any want of conformity unto or transgression of the law of God. Huh? Sin is... Anything that we do that God has told us to do, anything we fail to do that God has told us to do, that's a sin. Let me make it more clear. God says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. How you doing? Love your neighbor as yourself. How you doing? That's what he's told us to do. Are you loving him that way? We have reason to repent. God, I'm not loving you the way I am. I should. You deserve my mind, my heart, my soul, my strength. I'm giving it away in all kinds of places. God, I really am aggravated at my neighbor. I don't love him like myself. I really care about me. We forgive me? Sin is any transgression of the law of God. I mean, anything with our heart, anything with our eyes, anything with our hands, all the things we wrestle with, those little white lies, that little bit of cheating, that, that, that little bit of lust, that little bit of gambling, those addictions... Sin is anything that transgresses God's law. He says, come and repent. Come and repent. And find forgiveness. Come and be cleansed. Come and be made whole. Listen, you don't have to hide. The truth of the Gospel is this, is if we confess our sins, He is faithful and He is just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come, sinner. Come. You are not disqualified from God's love. Whatever you've done, come. Confess it. Do business with God. Come and find life. Come and repent. Come. Let us pray. Father, only through the Gospel can we repent. Because truthfully, if we turn to a holy God with all of our filth and brokenness and all the things that we have drunk from that are filthy waters, God, you should be angry. And you are angry at sin. But through the Gospel, you've poured that anger on your Son so that we can be lavished upon with love. So that we can be lavished upon with mercy. So that we can be forgiven and cleansed. God, thank you for godly grief and sorrow because it's about relationship. Forgive us for the way we've trampled all over this relationship with you, looking all over for life and love in the wrong places. God, do business with us right now through your spirit. God, may there not be a heart here that you don't speak to. Speak clearly. Reveal to us our sin so that you will reveal to us your grace in Christ Jesus. God, take our tithes and offerings. Use them to advance Christ's kingdom. Use them to make more of your image bearers repent. Lead us to repentance, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.